corner as we get you ready for Nashville, which was a match last year for Charlotte FC that saw one of its biggest goal outputs, and as it was put to me by some folks on the Nashville side, maybe one of the worst games in the history of the young franchise that has blossomed in Tennessee. Will Palacic, Jessica Charman here with you. Uh, Just thinking back to that match a year ago, a lot of things had to go right for Charlotte FC. They got an early penalty from Christian Fuchs. And I know when you and I were talking earlier on Friday, Jess, we were kind of thinking back to that and thinking, man, you really held down one of the best in MLS inside your fortress and did so to pretty much great grace and aplomb. Yeah, it was a result that had the league shook, if you're completely honest. No one had Charlotte beating Nashville 4-1, but we did a great job of shutting down Nashville. And let's be honest, Nashville had a bad day as well. Um, the one thing I take, which is a little bit disappointing, is when you look at the turnover rate from the players that we have. It's a very new squad, so I don't think you can compare the two games. But I say disappointing, and that's the wrong choice of words, really, because the growth that we've had, the player personnel that we brought in, I truly believe we have a stronger squad than we did then. But I, I think we have to take that game as it was, an incredible memory, an incredible moment. And now, the second time we face Nashville, we have to really set the tone and make this a game in its own right to remember. And the man you have to really keep an eye on is Hani Mukhtar. He did get a goal on the penalty spot in that contest a year ago. They kept him clean from open play. It was an unfortunately cynical foul by Harrison Offal in the second half that uh, put Nashville on the board with that penalty spot goal. How do you defend, or what is, I guess, the best way you have to try to contain Hani Mukhtar? Yeah, it's tough. He's the reigning MLS MVP for a reason, right? He leads this team. He is the stat leader in almost every attacking uh, stat line that you can look at for Nashville in terms of progressive pass receiving, touches inside the 18, touches inside the attacking third, progressive dribbles. This guy leads the team. Goal contributions, of course. Number two in the entire MLS for goal contribution actions, only behind Thiago Armada of Atlanta United. That goes to show the caliber that he's at. But what's so interesting about Nashville is they don't want the ball. They don't want to possess. They're very content with suffering defensively, and they've done so incredibly best defense in the league. Only eight goals conceded. They are very tough to break because they are so good defensively. And then on the counterattack, they have Hani available. And when Mukhtar has the ball, he can transition. He's a great target. He's got a great finish. For me, it's another sort of flashback to Atlanta where Brant Bronico handled Tiago Armada to absolute perfection, where Ben Bender even came in and was battling against Armada, doing a fantastic job. It's a good sign that Charlotte FC was able to shut down a world-class player in Armada, and they're going to have to do the same against Hani Mukta. We've taken a lot and learned a lot from the Atlanta United game. Expect to see some of that tactical genius employed against Nashville's. If you read uh, some of the clippings from Nashville does not look like Walker Zimmerman, the United States international is going to feature this weekend. He's still dealing with a bit of a lower body injury. So that could be good fortune for Charlotte FC, but the defense has not missed a beat from Nashville. As you mentioned, just eight goals conceded. That's the least of anyone in the league uh, team that has two fewer games played is the second team and that's LAFC. So from that aspect, uh, Charlotte FC is going to be having a world of a time to try and break 
break down this Nashville side. And even without Walker Zimmerman, they have not missed a beat. Lucas McNaughton came over in the CJ Sapong trade with uh, Toronto, and he is slotted in pretty comfortably. There's also the U.S. international Shaq Moore on the right side. We'll see whether or not Charlotte FC tries to avoid him with their potential uh, movement forward. Uh, it could be a situation, like you said, very much like what we saw on Wednesday. Chicago didn't want any of the ball. We knew we said that a lot of times about Philadelphia, and unfortunately when Charlotte FC has had more of the ball, they've had a hard time breaking opposition down. I'm wondering how much of that they might force into the other opposition to try and at least maybe get some of their own counter work going. Yeah, I think the only difficulty comparing Chicago and Nashville is the, uh, of the side. Nashville's far better when they do have the ball to transition forward. Chicago just couldn't string a pass together, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I think Nashville tactically don't want the ball. Chicago just couldn't handle the ball. So difficult to compare the two sides. I do think for Charlotte FC, it's going to be about playing their game. It's going to be about understanding how difficult this side's going to be to break down. But you have the ability to do so. You have some players that are very good individually going one-on-one. -on -one, and we've seen ourselves get a little better from set pieces as well, which is an area that we need to really try and take advantage of as well. Look, they've kept six clean, six clean sheets for a reason. Their goalkeeper's got an 80-plus save percent, percentage for a reason. That being said, opportunities can always create themselves. And I think the biggest thing is not allowing Nashville to get the momentum by getting a goal on the counter-attack. It's about staying organized, not sacrificing too many bodies forward because it can be very enticing to put those bodies forward to create attacks, particularly against a very dangerous defensive side. But if you take that risk against Nashville, the likelihood is they're going to be able to punish you on the counter-attack because they are able to transition so successfully and they have someone that's willing to score goals. And you mentioned the situation involving the passing that was a difficulty for Chicago on Wednesday. Well, Wednesday for Nashville, they attempted their highest total number of passes on their season, 506 against Inter-Miami on Wednesday. They had four assists, which was the most uh, recorded by Nashville in a match this season, one that they won over Miami on Wednesday night by a count of two to one. Papa Pico, who we saw uh, score a goal uh, in the game against Houston last year for Houston against Charlotte, uh, was big in that contest as well for Nashville. And uh, from Charlotte FC's perspective on Wednesday, I know we haven't really talked about it in podcast form yet, but Charlotte FC's come from behind victory, just the third all-time in our MLS history that we've been able to grab points from a losing position in a contest. And I think, Jess, uh, it was the Brandon Cambridge show altogether. Uh, I know that probably is the simple way of doing it, but what exactly was he able to do that we just couldn't get going in the first 65-plus minutes of that contest? I think he was unpredictable. Uh, a lot of the forward-moving attacks we made were very predictable. We also didn't really have a right winger that was staying in position. That's no disrespect to Karol Zvodarski, but he was drifting and drifting and drifting inside continually, which meant that we didn't exploit the space on the right-hand side. Cambridge stayed wide, was able to find himself in different openings, was able to time his runs very well, and had that finishing touch, that composure of a player wise beyond his years. And it was very good to see that. It was very important to see that as well, because if we're honest, the first half was dire from Charlotte FC. I think it's fair to say, and I think a lot of the players would put their hands up and say, not the best first half performance, but the key to this and that we've kept saying, Will, is good teams, great teams are able to win even when they're not playing their best. They were able to grind out that result. They were able to come back from behind. Shows a lot of fight, shows a lot of spirit. And Brandon Cambridge is now a household name in Charlotte. 
Certainly is. And now Charlotte FC turns their attention to this Nashville side. You mentioned Svidersky's uh, struggles on the wing. They moved him more centrally during the contest. Uh, with the form being what it is from Charlotte FC and also with it doesn't look like we're going to get any relief on the injury side. Chris Latanzo did seem optimistic that maybe Kerwin Vargas could feature in the contest, but uh, when he's talking like that, I don't know if that means it's going to be either on the bench or back in the starting lineup. We'll have to see uh, from Kerwin's perspective. He did say, did Christian, that Kerwin trained fully on Friday, so that is at least a good sign as he continues to come back from a lower leg injury. Uh, how do you feel that they'll employ themselves tactically? Because this could be a scenario for Charlotte FC where uh, they might have to maybe uh, do this one somewhat on the fly and, and somewhat fluid, as Christian Latanzio likes to say, from a formational standpoint. Yeah, I think that fluidity is very good. In some of our best games, we've been able to look different on the attack versus on the defense. And when you're playing against a side that likes to counterattack on you, you have to be prepared when you're on the offense to defend the counterattack. So perhaps some changes going on there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how defensively we shape up. Obviously, we saw Tui Loma coming on. Uh, we saw Derek Jones playing at centre-back a little bit. We saw a little bit of everything. And I think that we may see some adjustments because we need to be strong defensively. No disrespect to Chicago, but Nashville is a lot more intimidating going forwards than as a stronger side. There's a reason why they're sitting third in the Eastern Conference. Doesn't happen through not being very good. So I think we may see some changes there. Uh, I think we've pretty much touched on the fact that Swiderski is not a winger. I understand completely why he was trying to slot him into that wing position because you want your best players on the field. But for me, Karol Svidersky isn't utilized as a wing and he no longer becomes one of your best players when he's playing in the wing. So fingers crossed we see Carroll looking more central because we haven't been able to see Carroll's full potential whenever he plays in that wide position. Do want to get one more thing in before we say so long and get you ready for the match tomorrow. Uh, did want to at least touch on Enzo Capetti because uh, he once again is a hot button topic, and I think he's kind of always going to be for Charlotte FC fans. Uh, more talk about uh, the challenge that took place early where he was cynically fouled, at least I thought, and uh, we talked about it on the broadcast, maybe being a bit unfortunate when it comes to his reputation of looking for contact and talking to the referees about calls in a vociferous manner, uh, potentially maybe handicapping him from getting those calls. Uh, there was another one late in the contest involving a handball, which I think was a little bit more of a judgment call there by the officiating crew. But from Enzo's perspective right now, it's hard to see him sh uh, shedding away that moniker and shedding away that reputation what has to happen? Because it feels like like year over year, Carol Svidersky has at least shed that reputation. Remember, he had that uh, knock against him, unfortunately, in the early part of his MLS tenure. And I think he's just kind of learned to live with it when it comes. But from Enzo's perspective, that's now his challenge. How do you see him possibly adjusting to try and uh, not make that part of his identifier? Yeah, I think it's very difficult to do so when it's in your DNA. Uh, I think that he is very passionate about soccer. He loves this game and he's a fiery person. And you want to make sure that he is still showing those traits because that is who he is and that is why he's been so successful as a player. But he's got to rein it and try and focus that passion on his own individual performance. I get it. The refereeing was not very good. But at the end of the day, we have to carry ourselves when we're on the field in a different manner. And you can't create that reputation for yourself that a 50-50 call or a 60-40 call in your way suddenly becomes in favor of the defenders because of the reputation that you began to have. Referees are human, right? And it sucks because 
you want to say that they're going to be able to always not be implicitly biased but unfortunately when you create that reputation some of that bias comes into their minds we see it in every league across the world so for Enzo for the rest of the team as well I think it's unfair to just say Enzo was the only one creating the dissent creating that environment he wasn't it was pretty much team-wide I mean how many yellow cards were really given for dissent I think to Jan uh, Kalina I think to Swiderski all three of those players picked up yellow mm -hmm. cards pretty much for dissent so it goes to show that we as a side did not do a good enough job of handling the uncontrollable and, and as we said in the broadcast well it's got to be about focusing on what you can control which is your individual performance and kind of just brushing it off you can laugh you can say hey referees are garbage in mls whatever but we have to play with those referees and you're only going to make it harder for yourself if you continue to dissent and moan and the other thing is think about it enzo didn't pick up a yellow card not sure how he didn't mm -hmm. honestly based on how he was treating the referee <laughs> but we'll take that one as a blessing three more yellow cards he sits another game so we've got to be a little bit smarter than that use your passion stay passionate love this sport but channel that passion for success on the field was about to say that was the silver lining coming out of the game from the disciplinary standpoint. You mentioned the three uh, yellow cards for dissent with uh, with Kalina as well as Sobachinsky uh, getting one as well, uh, along with the final one that was given to Carol uh, uh, Svidersky. As you mentioned, those three did go for dissent in the contest against Chicago. Uh, one last uh, one last mini point: um, if, if we do have an opportunity to get our hands on the minty chain will you be rocking the minty chain during the broadcast without a doubt i will rock the minty chain and fat andy will become fat andy with a ph willie p <laughs> limited number of those coming in so make sure you get to the box office make sure you get to the stadium early for that contest tomorrow uh saturday afternoon evening seven o'clock pregame is where we'll have it across the Charlotte FC radio network. Just safe ride, and uh, hopefully history can repeat itself against the Golden Boys from Tennessee. I need a three-point picture, Willie P. Let's go. I'm ready for it. We will join you tomorrow again, 7 o'clock, 7.30 for the kick time, and you'll hear it all on the Charlotte FC radio network.